Previously on the Podcast Express. So I, uh, so when I was on the podcast with the guys the other night, uh, they asked me if Connor would ever go back to boxing, and I said, absolutely not, there's nobody to fight. And then I had a chance to sleep on it, and then I was thinking about it all day yesterday, and I actually tweeted out, I was like, you know, I, I saved my hot take for the Podcast Express because I, I think that there is a guy that he could box that could actually generate more than a million, maybe even two million pay-per-view buys. Now, now hear me out on this. So one of his biggest detractors in coming into boxing was Oscar De La Hoya. One, <laughs> one, hold on, I know you're laughing. Hold on, hear me out. Hear me out. So Oscar is in his probably late 40s by now. Uh, I actually, you know what? I should have looked this up before I decided to go on this, uh, um, run this idea by everybody. But I, he's in his late 40s now, but he still seems to be in pretty good shape. And it's not that out of the ordinary for a boxer to come back when he's almost 50, when he's over, when he in his 40s, 45, 50. Well, you know, Bernard George, Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins. Well, he he really never left, but yeah, but you got Bernard Hopkins. George Foreman came back. Uh, when he was in his 40s, and he fought till he was 50. Uh, Larry Holmes, he retired and came mm-hmm. back more times than Terry Funk. You know, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, he came back a bunch of times. Julio Cesar Chavez, Hector Macho Camacho. Uh, you know, there is a precedent for this. And when they come back, they usually fight like a tomato can mm-hmm. and, then, and then try to get themselves back into title contention. But what if, you know, Oscar was talking all this shit He's actually building up a fight for Conor McGregor for himself. Do I have everybody's attention now? Hey now. Welcome back to the Podcast Express, everybody. My name is Mike, and I'm here with my co-host, Joe. Uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. we got Survivor Series on the horizon. It's coming up this Sunday. Uh, we also got NXT War Games, uh, some UFC news, some boxing news, all kinds of stuff going on. What's up, Joe? Not much, man. I'm really excited about this weekend. Uh, re- like you said, a lot to look forward to. I think Survivor Series could be one of the best cards WWE main rosters had in a while. A lot to talk about with Conor McGregor and boxing and just everything in general, man. Been an exciting week. Yeah, man. It, it seems like there's never a slow news week on the topics that we cover anyway. Um, there's slow news weeks if we just only covered WWE, if we only covered UFC. But it, since we cover just about everything and combat sports related, uh, it seems like we always have a pretty jam-packed yeah. show. So uh, we could we have a million different topics, and we uh, we will never be able to get to them all. But <laughs> I think that's a good problem to have. But I think oh, you're definitely. right. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right, though. I I am really looking forward to Survivor Series, and I'll be honest, I wasn't looking forward to it that long ago. But the things that they have done to upgrade this show, i.e. adding AJ Styles to the Brock Lesnar match, making him the WWE champion, um, taking away Jason Jordan and adding Triple H, I thought was an awesome move on their part. Uh, Putting in John Cena on Team SmackDown I thought was awesome. Uh, I I think it's just up and down one of the better cards that they're going to have all year. And yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't even care that it's, you know, 17 hours long on Sunday. Right. Absolutely, man. Like, you know, kind of a similar thing happened with TLC where some last minute changes, um, whether, you know, on Survivor Series intentional or not, you know, we'll probably never know. We we won't know how long these things were planned out. Um, but last minute changes have definitely upped my interest 
and Survivor Series and looking at it top to bottom from a wrestling standpoint, just like taking away storylines from a wrestling standpoint, it has the potential to be the best main card pay-per-view or special event, whatever they want to call it nowadays, of 2017 for WWE. Yeah, I mean, Brock Brock versus AJ could potentially steal the show. The SmackDown versus Raw main tag match, that, I mean, there's so many great talents in that match and you have the intrigue of kurt angle and triple h coming back and john cena being there i mean there's so much fun things to look forward to this to this show yeah absolutely uh so the main event is going to be team raw versus team smackdown uh team raw is going to be captained by kurt angle and on his team uh we already talked about it he's got triple h which we found out this past monday uh triple h came down and uh Gave a pedigree to Jason Jordan and uh, named himself to the match. Uh, you got Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, and Samoa Joe versus uh, team captain of uh, SmackDown, Shane McMahon. To, and he's got uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, John Cena, the returning John Cena, and uh, Bobby Roode and Randy Orton. So a lot of big-name talent on that. And it's kind of like a you know if you're watching wrestling 10 years ago when you were a fan of everything including wwe so if you watch tna if you watch new japan you watch wwe you watch the indie scene you have a good mixture of that entire scene all wrapped into one with uh obviously triple h and uh john cena and randy orton uh, being the mainstays for wwe and then you had tna guys and samoa joe and bobby Roode. you got new japan guy and shinsuke nakamura and finn balor uh, I I thought that was kind of a cool, and then of course, well, Braun Strowman's kind of really the only new guy on the on the whole main event. He and you know he's in his thirties, but you know he's really new to pro wrestling. So I I really like this whole uh, dynamic they got going on. I think it's going to be an awesome match, and uh, I'm predicting second best match on the show uh, with this match. Now, what are you predicting that'll be end up being better than it? Uh, Brock and AJ. Ooh, you see, you know I. I want it to be, but I've I've got a history of being disappointed by Brock Lesnar matches. So yeah. I honestly think the main event will will actually be the best match on on the show. Um, and there's a lot of good history here. I mean, you got Triple H, who has had great matches with John Cena and Randy Orton in the past. There's a lot of history dating back for you know both of those or all three of those guys. Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon had one of the most violent matches of all time. I mean, just absolutely horrific at king of the ring several years ago balor and nakamura you know dating back to new japan they've had some great matches there i mean bobby root and kurt angle have had good matches back in tna so there's a lot of great history dating back and then you're throwing in like you said a new guy like braun Strowman, who will be facing some of these guys for the first time um you know braun Strowman versus john cena when that happens because you know they're going to have those guys lock up in the ring that's going to be a great moment yeah. In WWE, yeah. Absolutely. So, and and how that interaction happens will tell us a lot of what they think about Braun Strowman moving forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so, who do you got in that match? You know, it's it's a tough one for me to to really decide on because there are so many outside elements that could affect it. Because is Jason Jordan going to come in and potentially maybe cost Triple H or cost Kurt Angle? Um, you know their spot in the match you know cause them to get eliminated will we see Kane show up will we see Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens show up there's so many storyline elements I think that could come into play here so I'm not 100% certain but looking at things I wouldn't be too surprised if Smackdown pulls it off because they were the ones who got beat down on the final go home show and usually WWE if they have you get beat down the night before 
you're going to end up winning on the pay-per-view a couple nights later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm calling it. I, I think SmackDown's going to win. I think Jason Jordan costs Team Raw the, the match, and I think he goes to uh, SmackDown after that. I, I think that's the big coup. He turns heel, and then he joins SmackDown. Um, and I also think it makes sense because I don't think there's a hope in hell AJ Styles beats Brock Lesnar. And you're not going to want to have Raw go over too strong. You know, you want to have SmackDown save, save some kind of face. So uh, I say Brock beats AJ and uh, Team SmackDown wins the main event of Raw versus SmackDown. Who do you got in Brock versus AJ? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be silly to assume or to even think that AJ Styles will win, not just because of how this match is, you know, needs to go. But looking at the future of WWE, they're wanting Brock Lesnar to look as strong as possible for eventually dropping the title to Roman Reigns. Yeah, and you're you and no, this is not a knock on AJ because, in my opinion, he is the best wrestler in the world right now. But in their mind, you don't have Brock look strong right now by losing to an AJ Styles. Right. So I I hope they let AJ carry the match and structure the match. We get fifteen twenty really good minutes but in the end we know what brock lesnar is we know how they've been booking him and why they've been booking him that way so i think brock goes over yeah absolutely and, and it makes sense um especially if he's going to be the main event of wrestlemania uh, he goes over and he beats him with one uh f5 just one and yeah. but i i think it's going to be an excellent match uh next we got uh, alexa bliss versus uh charlotte charlotte won the uh nxt women's title or nxt sorry <laughs> won the smackdown women's title on uh tuesday night in in charlotte and then uh rick flair came out to celebrate with her in a kind of a cool moment i thought that was pretty awesome um yeah she beat natalia and so uh you know they're gonna do that match uh, I really don't care, honestly. So, uh, you know, I, I think they gave uh, Charlotte her big moment on Tuesday, so it makes sense for her to lose, I guess. Well, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the flip side of that. I think the reason they had Charlotte win is because, like I said last week, I, I kind of called it last week that I think Charlotte's the better wrestler for Alexa to go up against because she can carry the athletic side of it yeah. and put on a more of a spectacle match than Natalia, who would have been more of a technical match. And that's just not going to be very fun versus Alexa bliss. The reason I think Charlotte wins is, you know, to another match coming up, the women also have their, you know, raw versus SmackDown match. And there's no chance in hell raw loses that because that would mean Oscar taking a pin. And that's not going to happen at Survivor Series. So I think yeah. you have Charlotte win versus Alexa because the Raw women's tag team is going to win over SmackDown. Yeah, you know, and I didn't actually put it on our notes. I just remembered that there's a, a SmackDown women versus SmackDown uh, or versus Raw women match. Uh, yeah. I think that was my who gives a shit, honestly. I think I just gave it <laughs> <Right>. away. <laughs> but, uh, well, and, and there is some intrigue there because as of right now, they've not officially announced the fifth woman for SmackDown because it should have been Charlotte, but she's now the champion, and they haven't officially said whether Natalia will be it. So the interest in it could be, is Paige going to be slotted for a return on SmackDown in that fifth woman role? Uh, I, I guess it's possible. Um I think that the plan right now is Natalia, but um, they could always, you know, throw a, throw a curveball. I thought Paige was supposed to join Raw. She was. She said she was at Raw on Monday, and I guess she just never. They never put her on TV. Yeah, yeah, she was there. Um, apparently, you know, according to who you talk to, she got some heat because um, they wanted her to debut or to return at Raw, but she posted a picture with Alicia Fox on Instagram that night, you know, showing to the fans that she was there. Um, so potentially, you know, there could have been some heat on her for that. Honestly, I think she was probably at Raw just to 
you know, kind of see her friends. She hasn't been on the road in well over a year and to potentially talk about what her story coming back will be. Um, I, I think it makes more sense from a wrestling standpoint to have her on SmackDown because I think that that women's roster could use her more because Raw has Asuka and they have Alexa, who's the best character in women's wrestling right now. So they've already got some talent there, whereas SmackDown is, is kind of lacking. They have Charlotte and then everybody else. So yeah. I think SmackDown could use Paige more. Yeah, I, I think they could. Um, so who do you got in that match? Uh, who do you think would, will win? And the the women's versus women's tag team? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Raw women there because, like I said, Asuka, Asuka is yeah. on that team, and, and you're not going to have Asuka take a pin yet. Yeah, uh, I think that um, yeah Raw wins. Especially because I'm predicting the SmackDown wins the men's one, so I think the Raw we're all women take that, and with Oscar being the sole survivor, I think that would make the most sense. Yeah, uh, and you know what? I wouldn't be at all mad if they had like Oscar get down to a four on one scenario and just take everybody out. Just to, <laughs> well, you don't want to kill an entire women's it, division, though. Well, they did it with Roman Reigns several years ago when they had a, a Raw versus SmackDown men's. Um, you know, when the shield was still, I don't know if it was a, a Raw versus SmackDown, but they definitely had a, a five on five match and it came down to Roman Reigns versus four other people when Roman was still in the shield and he yeah. came back and eliminated everybody. Yeah, I remember so when that. you're trying to get somebody over really strong, you know, that it's a good spot to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another match we got is, uh, the U S champion, Baron Corbin, Baron Von Douchebag versus, uh, intercontinental champion, uh, Miz. And they've had a war of words on Twitter. More like a one-sided beatdown from Miz <laughs> over Baron Corbin, who could barely form a fucking sentence. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm going to take the Miz on this one just because I like the Miz better, and I hope that he wins. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And honestly, I think between the two, the Miz is shown to clearly be the bigger star. He's been better for the company than Baron Corbin is, so I, I think it would be silly to have Corbin go over here. And, man... They just they need to stop letting Corbin feud with people like the Miz, right? I mean, or like a Kevin Owens because he just gets obliterated on yeah. Twitter. Absolutely. It's so bad. Yeah, especially when he's trying to do a promo and he's like doing a shoot promo without a script, yeah. and then you start to remember it's like you know maybe that's why they have script writers because this guy sucks. He, he yeah. went to college, right? I mean, he got into the NFL. He played college football. Did they give him a speech class in college, you think, or like an English class uh, or something like that? He was probably one of those guys who showed up to college and was taking like, you know, TV 101 where he just sat around and watched Friends all day and yeah. got a credit for it. I mean, like, let's not let's not be, you know, too over the top here and think that everybody who went to college and then played in the NFL actually went to college. Yeah, that makes I mean, sense. Come on. I mean, yeah. Reuben Foster, I love the guy, but, you know, he went to college. You would never know it by listening to him talk. <laughs> well, he went to Alabama. <laughs> True. <laughs> you, you see what's going on down in Alabama right now. Uh, people, yeah. ain't, <laughs> people ain't very smart in Alabama. So Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're, uh, I guess their laws on preying on children are pretty lax down there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I <don't> know. <laughs> yeah, a little behind the times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the next match we got is the Shield versus the New Day. We finally get that Shield reunion uh, that was uh, taken from us whenever um, – uh, Roman Reigns got the mumps. Not AIDS, like I had uh, reported, uh, the mumps. Right. <laughs> different. But uh, Shield versus the New Day, I don't think there's a hope in hell that the New Day wins, and nor should they. I, I think the Shield goes over here, and I think it's uh, going to be a good match, but not a crazy match. I, I think the Shield wins easy. 
Yeah, you know what? I want to take back a previous statement I said and actually go on and say, I think this could be the match of the night. Really? Um, because Yeah, because the New Day always delivers, man. I In terms of looking at the last few pay-per-views they've been on, they've been probably the best match on the card. And this is going to be the first time we've seen the full Shield reunion back together. And then think back the last times we've seen the Shield as as a you know a, as a full team they had matches against evolution who were at the back end of their career evolution at that time were definitely not in their prime of wrestling but they were all amazing matches and i think we'll see a similar structure to those two matches that we've seen and if it's similar to shield versus evolution i think it steals the show yeah, I, I guess it could be. Um, and we haven't seen the Shield in a long time, and they're all really good wrestlers, they're great wrestlers, and the New Day's had amazing matches the last uh, few months. So, yeah, I guess that could be really good. Uh, but you see the Shield going over, right? Yeah, I okay. mean, like like I said before, um, the reason you put them against the New Day, A, is because you know they're, they're great wrestlers, and B, the New Day are one of the few teams or one of the few you know group of superstars who have proven that they can take a loss and still come out the other side just as strong. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've, they've been on top of the tag team division for the last few years because of how strong they come off with the fans. So go ahead, have them take the loss here. It's not going to hurt them at all. Yeah, they'll be fine. Uh, then we got the bar versus uh, the Usos tag team champs versus tag team champs. And because I think the Shield beats the New Day, I think the Usos win this one. Uh, but I think this is going to be a really good match. And it was another match that we were not expecting to get. So uh, I, I like that they've been making these changes and all the changes that they have made, in my opinion, have been for the better. So, yeah. uh, And this is one of those changes I... I I think this is going to be an excellent match, and these guys are all going to work hard because this match is flying under the radar. If you look at the notes, I actually did not add this match in until a couple minutes ago whenever we were talking, and I was like, oh, you know what? The Usos and the bar, uh, Shezaro, they actually have a match, and it's actually going to be really good, and uh, we totally forgot about it. Yeah, and you know, one thing, uh, like you said, you know, this, this could be a great match. A any match on this card really up and down, I think, has the potential to at least be a three stars or better um really and the usos since their heel turn and you know they've gotten rid of the face paint got rid of the bright colors they've been on a tear i mean we've we're really seeing them develop over the last year or so and just take over the tag team division uh, an interesting thing i don't think we listed it on the notes but and uh, under siege part two when raw took over smackdown when the shield was beating down the new day the first team to run out was the Usos and something that I liked some small continuity that a lot of people may have not noticed, but they get into the ring and the first person there is Roman Reigns and all three of them stop Yeah, and they don't touch each other. And there was just that split second of hesitancy that really showed good storytelling because they've not made any, like they've not covered up the fact that they're, they're family, they're cousins. So I really like that in the WWE storytelling. And then you got Dean and Seth who really just don't give a shit and jumped on them anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I like that storytelling. I, I really like what the Usos have done over the last year. Um, the Uso penitentiary thing, it's given them something as a, you know, a gimmick as a talking point because they were not great talkers at all when they were faces. No, I, I agree with you. I think they go over here and what will probably be a really physical match and should be a really fun one. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Under Siege because uh, that's the name of this episode is Under Siege Part 2. I, I thought that that was really well done on SmackDown. 
what I didn't like was the beginning scene with Shane McMahon standing in front of uh, the entire roster. Yeah. And like Sin Cara and Baron Corbin are, you know, they're they're about to fight each other. Apparently they hate each other, but they're standing like really close together and uh yeah. and the the scripted lines and the shitty one-liners and everybody's like, "Oh my god, he said he's going to or Becky Lynch says she's going to break somebody's arm." And then they went, yeah. "Oh my gosh, that's so yeah. crazy that she would say something like shut up.'" <laughs> but uh, the uh, the end of the show made up for it. Uh, I I thought that was really well done, and I I love the little intricacies and details of the storyline of the storytelling that they tend to forget. Like they tend to forget that you know Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler hate each other, yet they're double teaming a guy in the in the locker room, right? Yeah. They forget that, but then they remember that the Usos and Roman Reigns are cousins, so they actually never hit each other. Seth and Dean actually do all the fighting with the Usos, and Roman Reigns fights somebody else while that's happening. Um, so when they remember it, I really like that stuff. I, I love yeah. those little details about it. I wish they would do it more often, though. And I really thought that it was uh, excellent. It was a good way to close the show. The closing scene with uh, Shane McMahon, being held up by uh, the shield and the Kurt Angle, you know, grabbing his face and uh, talking shit to him, and then they do the triple power bomb. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and you know, one the one missed opportunity, and I I understand why they didn't do it, but I think they could have built up Survivor Series a hell of a lot more if they would have convinced Brock Lesnar to show up. If you could have got Brock Lesnar as a part of that under siege and have Lesnar like just an all out brawl, people are fighting back to back, shoulder to shoulder, whatever. And then I would have ended the show with Lesnar and AJ Styles facing off in the ring. Don't even have them touch each other because SmackDown, they don't, they don't go over the nine o'clock hour. If you just have the show ended with those two staring down, it builds up a hell of a lot more intrigue in a match. That's already really interesting, but putting yeah. that aside, um, this one made more sense than when SmackDown attacked raw, because, you know, at this point, raw is getting revenge. They're going to do a similar thing next year they need to find a way to have a reason for somebody to strike first because right. striking back, it makes a hell of a lot more sense because at this point, Raw has been attacked. Everybody's been beaten down. So this one was a lot better than the first one, in my opinion, for that reason. It, there was a, there a was reason. logic behind there, it. There was a reason other than, Hey, we're booked, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, we're booked to fight each other. So we're going to do this. So, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, uh, SmackDown was really good. I thought Raw was really good this week. I got a chance to check out most of each show. Uh, I thought Daniel Bryan doing the Paul Heyman <laughs> thing was really cool. Uh, yeah, isn't it was... crazy how, how Daniel Bryan, since he's been not a wrestler, has become so much better with a mic in front of him? Because that was the biggest knock on him as when he was a wrestler and you know coming up through NXT and all that is that he was not charismatic. But now as general manager of SmackDown, like – the guy has just found like a whole new personality. He's one of the most charismatic guys in the company. Yeah. I mean, and his his promo, like you said, his Paul Heyman promo, that was just spot on amazing. Yeah, and if they could have got another couple to do a proposal in the audience during Daniel Bryan's thing just to mock <laughs> the whole thing, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, lo I loved, I loved the way that Paul Heyman shit on that proposal. Oh, yeah. I mean... There's not many guys in WWE who have that type of improbability like Paul Heyman does, <laughs> yeah. to, because the crowd had completely turned away their attention from him, and he brought them right back within a split second. Absolutely, that was just that was money by Paul Heyman. Uh, so Survivor Series isn't the only show this weekend. We got uh, NXT War Games, and I have been really excited about War Games because I really liked uh, WCW War Games when I was a kid, and I was excited they're bringing the concept back. 
And then whenever they decided to have three teams, I was like, eh, okay, you know, we can, you know, we can do something like that. That'd be cool. But uh, Triple H today confirmed that there's not going to be a top on the cage. And I was kind of disappointed. Now, that doesn't mean that this is not going to still be a good match, but that was one of the selling points before was it was just this massive cage that covered two rings and there was a top on it. But I think that their logic is is they don't want to take away from Hell in a Cell. Yeah. And when whenever, you know, and Hell in a Cell was basically born out of war games. It was their their way to do a war games without actually doing a war games. They would just do Hell in a Cell. Um and if you guys are not familiar with what War Games is, go to the network and just look up War Games. There's actually a good documentary on War Games and what it was all about and some of the best matches and moments out there. And um, But anyway, this Saturday on NXT TakeOver War Games, you got uh, Sanity versus Undisputed versus uh, Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong. Uh, I think that's going to be an excellent match, and I don't think there's any chance in hell Undisputed doesn't win this match. Yeah, no, I'm, I 100% agree with you. And thinking about them taking the top off of it, um, of the cell itself, I, I think there's a couple factors there. Um, one, I, I don't know what arena it is it's in, but if it's a basketball arena, it's hard to put the cell up there because of the scoreboard. So if you don't have a, a top on it, you can put it around the scoreboard. So it's a, a logistical issue. And also, you know, something that Triple H mentioned is that without a top on, you have the potential of somebody jumping off of the cell into the ring, um, which I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but he hinted at it. So we could see some big spots of somebody climbing on top of the cell to jump back into the ring onto somebody. He pretty um, much said that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know who, who it would be, but I'm going to predict that Adam Cole is going to be the crazy one to do it. Uh, uh, yeah, Roger Strong. It, but you know what? Eric Young is a crazy guy too. Er, even yeah. though Eric's like 40 years old, he'll still do stuff like that. That guy is insane. So, um, yeah. I think it's going to be an excellent match. I'm still not too sure of the rules. Uh, do you know what the rules are of the match? I, You know, I don't. Um, I don't think WWE at this time knows what the rules are. Um, they, <laughs> I think they posted them all back. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, they've been very clear to not really talk about it on NXT. Um, so, as we all know with WWE, it could change at any time. But I'm sure they'll make sure to explain that going into the match. Um, so, what you know, the, all what I really is, know is... Well, What's yeah. That? What it what it used to be is it would be. Have you ever seen a War Games match? Uh, man, I've once. It was a long time ago. You had it on VHS. Okay, well, you need <laughs> to go on the network and do a little bit of research on War Games. But so basically, it would be two teams, and it was usually like the four horsemen, right? So it would be two teams of uh, four or five, and it would be kind of like the Royal Rumble, where two guys would start out, and it'd be a coin toss, and whoever um, won the coin toss would start first. And the bad guys always won the coin toss, and I'll tell you why. It would start out with two guys, even. But then the next guy that would come in the, in the, in the match, two minutes later, every two minutes another guy would come in the match, the next guy would be a guy from the team who won the coin toss. So uh, that way, the team who won the coin toss always had a man advantage. So it would start out with two guys, and then another guy would enter, and he's usually a bad guy, and then they would have a two-on-one advantage. And then the good guy would, another good guy would come in, even it up, then he'd go to three to two, three to three, four to three, four, you know, four to four. And uh, the match actually didn't even start. Like, you couldn't even win the match until every member of each team was in the ring at the same time. And then at that point, the War Games has officially begun, even though they've been fighting for 20 minutes at this <laughs> point. And then uh, you, the only way you could win was by submission. Like, one, one member of your team had to give up. 
and uh, usually the good guys would win. It would be like, you know, Dusty Rhodes would uh, make, you know, Arn Anderson submit or something like that. So, yeah, that was the old concept. So I'm kind of curious as to what concept they're going to come up with for this one. Yeah, I mean, I I really hope they kind of stick with that same concept because I don't want them to completely change the idea. I mean, they've already, like you said, you know, taken the top off, and now there's three teams instead of two. Uh, so hopefully the only hopefully the only thing that they don't keep the same is the fact that there is a cage and two rings. So I, I'd yeah. like to see them use that same structure at least. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I think Undisputed takes that one, and I think it's gonna be a really cool match. I'm pretty interested in it. Uh, the next match is going to be Drew McIntyre versus uh, Andrade Cien Almas um, for the NXT title. I Drew, Drew obviously wins this match. Do you think it's going to be any good? Because I have not been all that impressed by Almas. He did have a good match on the last takeover. I will give him that. But for the most part, he's just been kind of there. Yeah, you know, I... I think this has a the potential to be a sneaky good match because I, I'm a huge fan of McIntyre and I've seen almost wrestle at a house show before uh, where he's, you know, he got to let loose a little bit more and the guy is a fantastic wrestler. Um, I haven't gotten to see him outside of NXT, but I've seen guys just absolutely rave about his ability and say he's been held back since he's been in NXT and they're finally the last couple months starting to let him come out of the shell a little bit more. So I think this is going to be a sneaky good match, but I don't think almost goes over. I, I think the big money match in NXT right now is probably going to be McIntyre versus Adam Cole. Uh, I know they're doing it at a house show. That's not going to be recorded or televised to, to my knowledge. Um, so I think they're probably going to set that up for maybe rumble or even WrestleMania weekend. Um, that's why I think McIntyre goes over, but I, I think this one could surprise some people. Yeah. yeah, it could be pretty good. Uh, the next match is for the vacant uh, NXT Women's Championship. You got Ember Moon versus uh, Peyton Royce versus Kyrie Sane versus uh, some other chick. Joe, who do you got in this match? You know, I I really don't know, and that's that's what I love about <laughs> yeah. NXT so much is, for you know, at this point, I have no idea who could win this match. It really could be any of them. I'm... I'm going to say I hope Ember Moon goes over, um, and and the some other chick you you forgot to mention was Nikki Cross, and she oh, is a okay. fantastic wrestler. Um, had oh. a hell of a match with Oscar, um, you know, a couple months ago. So don't don't forget Nikki Cross because she could steal the title here. She is batshit crazy. She could be the heel who sets up Nikki Cross versus you know Kari Sane in the future. Uh, but I if it were me, I would put Ember Moon over here because she's a great wrestler. Uh, I think she deserves a title run right now, and it's probably a little bit too early to put the title on Kyrie because she needs the universe, the WWE Universe fans and everybody to get a little bit more behind her. Uh, even though I think she's already over, I think it's just a little too early in her run to get the title. Yeah, yeah, she'll have to chase. Uh, yeah, sorry, Nikki Cross fans, my bad. Uh, <laughs> she kind of reminds me of Spike Dudley, honestly, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another match is going to be Lars Sullivan versus Cassius Ono. This is a showcase match for Sullivan. Obviously, he beats him, and it's going to be easy. But I think maybe what ten minute match? You think they're just trying to, you know, get this guy groomed for a a main event run one day? Yeah, you know, again, right there with you. I think it'll probably be ten minutes. Um, I, I think it could be a solid match. You know, Lars Sullivan's had some pretty good matches. Cassius Ono, uh, fantastic wrestler. So two big guys who can move around a little bit. I mean, they've got some athleticism to them. Um, so I'm, I'm sure this one won't disappoint. It's not going to be overly exciting, but it, it should be a solid match, and I think Lars Sullivan pulls out on top. Yeah, Cassius Ono is going to do his job in this match. 
which is yeah. to do the job. <laughs> so. Right. He, he's going to make <laughs> Lars Sullivan look good yeah. and, and put him over. Yeah. Cassius Ono is a great wrestler. If everybody doesn't know, it's Chris Hero, but he's a great yeah. wrestler. But, man, he needs to work on his ring gear. He's yeah. coming out in, like, a Walmart basketball shirt <laughs> and, like, some basketball shorts. He looks ridiculous. You know, he was in NXT uh, several years ago, and he was super skinny, too. Um, I Usually when guys get on the indies, uh, they, they work on their physique a little bit. Um, usually when they get to NXT, because they're not traveling crazy, um, they get to work on their physique a little bit. Cassius Ono just don't give a shit. Like, that man is walking in there with a beer belly and a whole lot of jiggle to him and just wearing some, like he said, Walmart or JC Penny t-shirts, you know, whatever he decides to throw on that day. He needs to work on his look a little bit more if WWE is ever going to get behind him. Yeah, I mean, it's okay that he's kind of a fat guy now because he could do kind of a... I, I thought he'd be good in the White family, honestly. I, yeah. I, I thought that, you know, instead of Eric Rowan, Luke Harper and Cassius Ono would make a great team. Yeah, they they just don't know how to book the Wyatt family. I mean, they've because all three of those guys were already really talented, I thought. They just don't know what to do with them, so he could potentially have done great there if they would have booked them right. Yeah. Yeah, now, I don't know. And, Go ahead. And one thing from NXT, I make sure we don't forget, the actual, I think, the best match of the night we're not even going to get to see until next week. That'll air on NXT on Wednesday night. But uh, Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunne yeah. uh, will be recorded for NXT TV for next week. Um, and that match, I honestly, like, it'll probably steal the show. It could potentially be the best match of the weekend. Yeah, they're going to tear down the house. So everybody look out for that next week on uh, NXT. And hopefully we'll have, like, a review of that match next week. I think that would be excellent. Yeah, yeah. no, I'll, I'll be watching it because, like I said, I'm a huge Pete Dunne fan. Yeah. Um, he he really won me over at Chicago uh, several months ago. Uh, I try and to watch that, everything uh, he doesn't. With that yeah. Tyler Bate match they had, that was yeah. excellent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, honestly, I think this one could potentially just steal the show for the entire weekend. Jack Swagger, former WWE champ and uh, former other champs. <laughs> He's won some other titles. ECW champ. I'm sorry. If I, uh, I lost my brain for a second. Uh, he was also a... Uh, a guy who said, we the people, and he was kind of like a fake uh, Ann Coulter, kind of Glenn Beck type of dude. Uh, he had Dutch Mantel or Zeb Coulter or whatever you want to call him as his manager. Um, his real name is Jake Hager, and he is a multiple-time All-American at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, a great, great wrestler. He was in the same class as Cain uh, Velasquez, and um, I think he finished like 7th or 8th in the uh, NCAAs that year, and Cain Velasquez was like number 4. Um, he is signed with Bellator. He's going to be an MMA fighter now. He's going to start his career at age 35, which does not look so good if it wasn't for the fact that he was going to be fighting in Bellator because they could throw him, you know, <laughs> Dada da 5000 or somebody, or he could fight Ken Shamrock or somebody. Um, like, he hate me. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Maybe they put him up against Greg Hardy. That'd be a big match. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a cool move. I'm kind of excited about it. I want to see what he has to offer. And um, I, I like the fact that he's gotten rid of that stupid Jack Swagger name. He's going to be Jake Hager. Uh, Jake Hager's not a bad name. And I just thought it was kind of cruel punishment to um, call a guy, have a guy say that his name is Jack Swagger when he has a lisp. You know, Jack Swagger. <laughs> I, I thought that was just fucking brutal, man, and he never got over. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I'm fantastic, you know, collegiate wrestler. He is the all-American American. 
um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I, there's always a lot of intrigue for me when when WWE or, or wrestling guys make the jump over. Um, he, I'm sure, won't have quite the same impact that uh, Punk did when Punk went to UFC. Punk, obviously, a much bigger name. But wrestling fans will tune in to see this, and I think it's good for Bellator. And it'll be interesting to see what Swagger at or Hager at 35 has. Um, I, I think he was younger than Punk did when Punk made his debut. I think Punk was yeah. like 37. 36. Uh, 36 okay yeah. so you know a, a year on him but more importantly he actually has a long-term background and something that applies to mixed martial arts yeah and he's also at heavyweight and he's going to be one of the best athletes in the heavyweight division the moment he steps into it because um, a lot of heavyweights are just let's say it, they're just they're fat lops really yeah and uh this guy's in excellent condition and he weighs 271 pounds and he's jacked so yeah. he's not he's not jacked to where like he's a bodybuilder jacked. He just naturally weighs that, and he is lean. So I I, I think he's going to do very well in Bellator, and he's got a three fight or a three year deal, a six fight uh, a six fight contract, and uh, I, I think you know he fights what two or three tomato cans, and then they move him right up into that division and have him fight a named guy. Yeah, and you know it, it wouldn't be too surprising to me to see him fight somebody like Rampage in the near future. Um, because Rampage is, he's got the big name draw and, you know, I think that would sell well. And then Hager would probably go over just cause Rampage is such a shitty wrestler with terrible cardio. Um, yeah. so they can Ra make him. Yeah. Rampage is also fighting at heavyweight now, which means he doesn't have yeah. to diet, which is bad news for <laughs> Rampage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think it'll be easy for Bellator to make Hager look like a legitimate threat, look like a, you know, somebody who is very dangerous. Um, but, you know, he very well could be. I mean, he said for years that he was probably the best fighter in the WWE locker room. He asked Vince McMahon to let him do shoot fights in WWE before to prove how tough he was, and they wouldn't do it. Um, so, you know, I'm really interested in this. When he fights, I'll definitely be tuning in. Yeah, and good news is Bellator really doesn't do pay-per-view, so it'll be free. So that would be great. Yeah. yeah, definitely. If you guys were listening at the top of the show... Back in August, after Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor had their fight, and we did our post-fight wrap-up show, I said that the one guy that Conor McGregor should fight in boxing is Oscar De La Hoya. And everybody thought I was crazy. Everybody was saying, no, that's not possible. It's not going to happen. Oscar's not coming out of retirement. Oscar really thinks that this whole thing was a sham, a schmoz, a stupid-ass fucking boxing match, and it should have never happened. It was a disgrace to boxing and blah, blah, blah. Guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> Oscar De La Hoya this week come out at the age of 44, said he's been secretly training, and he's calling out Conor McGregor and wants to fight him, and claims that he can beat him in less than two rounds. Do I have to continue bragging about how accurate I am when I'm making these predictions? <laughs> I mean, it. I don't know why anybody ever denied that this was a thing that had potential. Like, there's going to be a lot of money in it if it does happen. And Conor McGregor will be able to sell the shit out of it. And Oscar De La Hoya is a very prideful guy. and He was probably offended that Floyd Mayweather let Conor McGregor go 10 rounds with him. Or 9 rounds, however long it lasted. So... I don't know why anybody ever thought that there was not potential for this to happen. Yeah. So all of Oscar's criticisms of the fight, like I accurately predicted, like I told you guys, all of his criticisms, everything he was saying negative about McGregor Mayweather is because he wanted that fight. Yeah. He wants to make that money. 
And he knows he could beat Conor McGregor. And if they fought, he would beat Conor McGregor. And it wouldn't even be close. Oscar De La Hoya no. is one of my favorite fighters. He was my favorite fighter as a kid once uh, Mike Tyson went batshit crazy. I became yeah. an Oscar fan. Uh, he's, you know, 44, old, but he's probably going to be in really good shape. And he has been boxing his entire life. He's got a skill set that Conor McGregor can't even fathom. I'm looking forward to it. I say that it happens next year. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, hopefully, they don't do it in like May, uh, which is you know kind of where everybody thinks the Canelo Triple G fight will happen. Uh, I'd like to see it hold off until like July or even August of next year. Uh, but again, I'll be tuning in. Um, I'll probably find a free way to watch it, but I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, I, I can't say that I won't buy it. Because <laughs> even though the you know the the Mayweather fight was kind of stupid, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, I I uh, I am not proud to admit that, but I really did have fun watching that fight. Yeah. Now, do you think this one? Honestly, there's no way they do a hundred dollar price tag again, right? Because De La Hoya doesn't have that kind of drawing power like Mayweather does. Even though McGregor definitely does. I mean, I think it takes two guys like that to do a hundred dollar price tag. Yeah. He he was the biggest draw in boxing. And they, uh, when Mayweather came up to fight him, that's what made Mayweather a draw. It wasn't the other way around. People tend to alter history because of the big superstar that Mayweather turned out to be. But he couldn't do shit on pay-per-view until he fought Oscar. Oscar was the man. He was the draw. Um, Oscar hasn't drawn a pay-per-view in a long time. He hasn't fought in a long time. So um, he's going to have to get everybody's memories back in order. So a hundred dollars. Yeah. I think that's too steep. 75. That seems more reasonable. And yeah. I think they do 2 million easy. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, you know, 1.5, 1.8, I, I think is very realistic. 2 million, you know, that still only happened very few times in history. So, yeah. And one of those times was when Oscar was fighting. Another one sure. of those times was when McGregor was fighting. True, but like you said, it has been a long time since since De La Hoya has fought. Let so. HBO get a hold of this thing and promote it. See what happens. I'm telling you yeah. guys. I we'll called see. it. You know what? And I listened to Garbage Time Points, their podcast <laughs> that they did on Tuesday, and they didn't even bring this up because they don't want to give me the credit that I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even want to talk about this fight because they know I accurately predicted it, and they know they're going to watch. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, sorry, I'm off my high horse now. <laughs> uh, Come back down to earth with us. Yeah, let's get into some UFC news. Uh, Tyrone Woodley uh, versus Nate Diaz is in the works for UFC 19. It's the end of the year card um, for Vegas. That threw me for a loop. I was shocked to hear that. Apparently, they were working on Connor versus Nate, but it looks like Connor's getting suspended because that motherfucker was at a Bellator <laughs> event on Friday night. And when his he wasn't even cornering a guy, he was just in the crowd. And whenever his fighter won, he jumped the cage. And then the referee told him to get out of the ring. He pushed the referee, and as he's being dragged out, he slapped a Bellator employee, <laughs> and then and then told everybody to fuck off on Twitter before he deleted the tweet and sent an apology. <laughs> so I mean, he was supposed Conor to fight McGregor, in December. He ain't fighting in December now. Yeah. He's the Conor McGregor is the biggest draw in boxing. He's the biggest draw in UFC, and now he's the biggest draw in Bellator, and he's not even fighting for Bellator. Like, they, let's be real here, dude. That was so. That was a a show that was in Ireland, right? 
and it was recorded earlier in the day because of the time difference. So it was in prime yeah. time in Ireland, but it was probably recorded around 10 o'clock our time, right? Something like that. And when Connor did that, it gave Bellator the opportunity to send the clip out everywhere and then say, stay tuned tonight for Conor McGregor on Bellator. And they <laughs> did it all day, and I think they popped one of their biggest ratings they ever had. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I mean, Dana White cannot be happy that Conor McGregor is helping the competition get, get viewership like that. But it's, I, I mean, it's funny to me. Uh, I hope the suspension's not too long. I mean, but like, it, it's funny that he did it. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious, and uh, yeah. I, I don't think they suspended him too long because there's too much money on the table, too much money for Connor, too much money for UFC, and too much money for whatever athletic commission he's going to be fighting for, because yeah. he draws yeah. in them tax dollars, and those guys get a cut of that, so they're they're not going to want to keep him out for too long. Yeah, maybe a, a slap on the wrist and a, a pocket change fine for him. Yeah. So everybody's kind of shitting on Nate Diaz getting a welterweight title shot, and they should. He doesn't deserve it. He's too small. Uh, although, uh, did you see the picture that I sent out? Uh, no. Man, you really got to pay attention to our Twitter feed for the <laughs> Podcast Express. So I uh, I had some fun with it, and, and I, I photoshopped. Uh, there was a picture of Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier standing together. Oh, so okay, I, photo yeah. I photoshopped Nate Diaz on Cain <laughs> and Tyron Woodley on Daniel. I suck at Photoshop. I don't know how to do it, yeah. but I just, I just tried it. And uh, I sent it out. I sent it to uh, some UFC fighters. They thought that was pretty funny, but because <laughs> uh, yeah. um, Dana White had taken some flack for saying uh, that Nate Diaz was way too big for the lightweight division and that he's like this mythical giant who is way bigger than Conor McGregor, which is not true. Um, he got he got axed whenever he was a welterweight. He got his ass whooped when he was a welterweight. And he's a great lightweight. That's his division. He should go back down to that. But uh, if he fights Tyron, I will probably watch. Um I think Tyron beats him easily, honestly. Uh, Tyron's just way too big and too strong. Um, he's not the striker that Nate is, but you know his wrestling will and his size and power. And the Diaz brothers, they, they crumble when guys are stronger than them. That's, that's kind of been their downfall. When they get against a strong wrestler, they tend to lose. So I, I, I don't see it any other way. But I, I am intrigued, although I think our boy, uh, Colby Covington, should be the one getting that shot. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know if I'll watch this because I, I've tried to watch the last two Tyrone Woodley fights, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of hate myself for it. Um, so uh, Nate Diaz is an exciting fighter, but I think he gets overmatched by, like you said, by Woodley's strength, by his wrestling, and I think it turns out to be a very boring fight. So it'll depend on what else is on the card. Uh, I'm really getting interested in Covington, though. Like you said, he's got an entire country who wants him dead, and that's the kind of people – who sell fights. That's the kind of people who sell pay-per-views. I don't of know which, why. <laughs> did you see what happened earlier today? Yes, I did. So the, uh, who, how do you attack a person with a boomerang? So Fabricio Verdun <laughs> uh, saw Colby Covington on the street, and I guess somebody had their uh, their phone out, and they videotaped the whole thing. And they got into an argument, and Fabricio Doom, Verdun hit him with a fucking boomerang in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny part is, is... They're in Australia, and so it's like, why wouldn't he have a boomerang in his hand? <laughs> like, I think everybody in Australia just carries boomerangs with them wherever they go, right? Yeah, and I mean, honestly, they're probably just flying around in the air and just hanging out on the streets. So, it, yeah, easily accessible, I guess. But just, I've never heard of a person being attacked with a boomerang. It's, it's one of the best stories I've heard in a long time. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure it was like just, you know, business as usual in Australia, like on their news. <laughs> in today's yeah. news, Colby Covington <laughs> yeah, yeah. got hit with a fucking boomerang by a Brazilian guy. Yeah. And next, um, the weather. Like, they probably didn't spend too much time on it at all. Yeah, just another day down under. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, speaking of assholes, Anderson Silva popped for steroids again. Oh, man. He, he's fucking done, right? Yeah, no chance he ever fights again, and it's it's a real shame because uh, growing up, you know, watching UFC, getting he was the biggest star when I was getting into MMA, um, and my opinion was the greatest of all time yeah, until man. multiple failed drug tests. And you know, part of me is just kind of hoping like maybe it only started when he got injured and he was trying to get himself healthy again. Nope. But you know, looking back, looking back at what the sport was, it, it's hard to to even think that way anymore he was doing it his opponents i.e chael sonnen and Vitor belfort they were doing it they were all doing it so uh he is not the greatest of all time and that sucks because no. i thought that he was for a long time yeah i mean when he, when anderson silva was on when when he wanted to there was nobody literally nobody who could touch him I mean, he made people look silly in the ring, uh, dropping his hands and just letting people swing and miss. What he did to Forrest Griffin was one of the most brutal things I've ever seen in fighting. It was quite rude, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then he did that same thing to Stephen Bonner. And it was like, yeah. he just, well, he made them look I, so I think silly. It was, I think it was worse with Stephen Bonner because going into the fight, everyone said, you know, the Anderson Silva-Stephen Bonner fight, the only way Anderson Silva loses is if he puts his back to the cage and doesn't move. So what does Anderson Silva do? He put his back to the cage and didn't move. And when Bonner tried to move him, he just went right back to the same spot. I mean, it, at least against Forrest Griffin, there was space and there was movement. Against Stefan Bonner, he just stood in one spot and, and didn't move and just embarrassed them. Yeah, absolutely. And because Anderson Silva is now he tested positive for steroids, he was actually scheduled uh, next weekend to fight Kelvin Gastelum in Shanghai. Uh, in the first uh, UFC ever on mainland China. They'd been to Macau. I guess Macau was kind of an island off of China. So, uh, none other than Michael Bisping, who just lost to George St. Pierre last weekend uh, by submission, has stepped up and agreed to take the fight. That guy's a fucking badass, dude. I mean, I, what can you say? I mean, this is and this is no easy fight. Like, this is not like he's going in there against somebody who's a scrub. Like, Kelvin Gastelum... The guy, he's had weight issues and, you know, some cardio issues, but the guy is a fighter. He he can hurt people. So for Bisming to step up and take this fight on this short of notice, at least he'll be in shape because he is coming fresh off of a camp. But you know he's got to still be sore. I mean, he got tapped out. He was fighting George St. Pierre, and he took some solid punches. There's no way he's going to be 100% walking into this fight. And kudos to him. Yeah. All right, man, we're, uh, we're starting to run out of time, so let's just uh, knock through these. Uh, uh, fight night uh, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia over the weekend on Saturday night. Uh, you got the chance to watch it, right? It was really excellent. Um, some big winners, Matt Brown knocked out uh, Diego Sanchez with an elbow, and uh, Marlon Marias won his fight, called out, G called out Jimmy Rivera for uh, the December uh, UFC card. Uh, UFC 218, I believe, is what it was. Um, great fights up and down the cards. So if nobody got a chance to watch that, go ahead and check it out. Uh, John Jones, apparently, uh, mixed cocaine with creatine, and that's what causes dirty test. That's his fucking defense. So oh. yeah, look look oh, for that. In, look for that in the news coming soon. Joe Rogan uh, talked about it on that on his podcast, and I don't think the Newswire picked it up just yet. So 
I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Max Holloway is going to face uh, Jose Aldo after, uh, at UFC 218 after uh, Frankie Edgar had to pull out. If Frankie Edgar is pulling out, it must be a real injury because he doesn't pull yeah. out a fight. So uh, now Edgar has to face Aldo. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Holloway has to face Aldo. He already beat Aldo. But that was really the only guy they put they wanted to put in there. I was fighting for Cub Swanson. I wanted Swanson to get the shot, but they put Aldo in that spot. Uh, yeah, hopefully Aldo regains his footing, man. He was so dominant for so damn long, and then after McGregor kind of fell off a little bit. So I, I'm pulling for Aldo in this fight. Uh, I, I'd like to see him pull it out. I got one word for Aldo fans. USADA. Anyway, uh, WWE yeah. News. Uh, Triple H is going to take on gender in India. And originally there were going to be two shows in New Delhi, and uh, I've been telling you guys for weeks, there's no money in India. So WWE realized that after their latest quarter earnings, right? They saw that they were getting absolutely zero dollars in India, or at least no, nothing that was even worth note. And so they had to, so they took the title off of Jinder Mahal because they realized they're not going to do anything with that anyway. And uh, now they canceled one of the shows. They actually moved it to uh, Abu Dhabi. And uh, now Triple H is going to take on Jinder and India in New Delhi next month. So, and then I think we'll be rid of Jinder as far as the main eventer after that's over. Uh, Adrian Neville might be returning by the end of the month, so maybe that happens, hopefully. Uh, he was never released from his contract, even though he walked out. Uh, Randy Orton and Kevin Owens had a Twitter fight. I thought it was pretty interesting, <laughs> but I think they were working everybody. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know what? Orton, who usually comes off as really boring, he had some pretty solid, solid shots in that one. Got to give him credit there. Like It was actually pretty entertaining. Yeah, and then I, I got involved, as I normally do, and I, I, uh, I said... Um, Calling somebody fat on Twitter is kind of lame, and uh, vaping is unforgivable. And one of, I guess, Orton's fans started attacking me, saying, <laughs> I only, I vape, and it's not douchey. I, I, I said it's douchey. Um, and it is. Every, if, you, if you're a vapor, you're a douche. Yeah. Even if yeah. I like you, you're still a douche if you vape. That's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, so he tried to defend himself, saying he was quitting smoking. And so to quit smoking, he took up vaping. You're still smoking, motherfucker. You didn't just you didn't quit, right? You're you're just smoking something else now. You're still smoking and you're stupid. Yeah. And then uh, I told him he had popcorn lung, which I guess is what you get whenever you vape. And he goes, "I don't have popcorn lung." And I said, "Well, your tweets are kind of popcorny." And then he <laughs> he blocked me. <laughs> so fuck that guy. Oh, He's probably gonna get cancer. So. Um, yeah. James Ellsworth was released. I was kind of shocked by this. Even though they kind of had to blow off on SmackDown, I figured they'd give him something else to do. Because he's kind of like, you know, the mascot, and everybody seems to like the guy. He works real hard. Uh, he sucks. He's not a very good wrestler, and he doesn't yeah. cut a good promo, but he looks weird, and you need weird people <laughs> around. So what, what did you think about the Ellsworth release? Um, you know, actually, I wasn't surprised about it. They've been making a lot of budget cutbacks, and there's, there's no return on investment with James Ellsworth. Uh, he kind of wore out his welcome, so... Uh, I don't want to talk bad on the guy. Hopefully he goes off and you know can make some money on the indies from here because he has owned his own promotion in Maryland in the past. Uh, he's done some outside work with the indies, so good for him. He lasted a year, year and a half, um, but you know I wasn't surprised by it. They did have him uh, wrestle Becky Lynch. Uh, I guess that was possibly planned for WrestleMania, um, and they moved it up. So to get that out of the way now, it kind of makes sense with all the recent releases as well. Yeah, uh, keep your chin up, Ellsworth. <laughs> Chance McMahon, <laughs> my favorite line. Uh, a little tidbit: the one of the reasons he stayed around so long is actually Chris Jericho liked what he done and uh, called Vince McMahon 
and really talked him up. So Chris Jericho had mentioned that uh, he he really played a part in James Ellsworth sticking around this long. Uh, I could see Ellsworth being on that cruise later this year. So yeah, uh, AJ Styles and Nakamura teased a WrestleMania match over the weekend, and WWE kind of posted it on Twitter too. So I think that's where they're going, and if so, I'm excited. Oh yeah, I it's it would be the best wrestling match that WWE could put on. Um, I hope they hold it off till WrestleMania. Um, I'd be fine with seeing it at, at Royal Rumble, but I really hope they hold it off till WrestleMania. It needs to be on the biggest stage possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Coachman, who uh, was on WWE for a long time, he's one of the announcers, and I, he was like a heel manager for a while, and he was like uh, Eric Bischoff's assistant. Uh, apparently, he got fired from ESPN like eight months ago, and the news just came out yesterday. So <laughs> um, it looks like he's trying to return to WWE. So he said he's going to be doing something with WWE next week. Uh, and could we see him this weekend? Who knows? But uh, I thought he was pretty good on WWE whenever he was there for a while, and I was surprised when he left. And I thought he was good on ESPN too. Um, yeah. So hopefully he uh, you know gets some work soon. Yeah, hopefully. And you know he'll slot perfectly into like the pre-show and post-show panels. Uh, it it gives WWE for their kickoff shows a little bit more legitimacy having a guy like Coachman there because he did work for ESPN for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd be really interested to see him having like seeing him back. And honestly, I want to see him and The Rock interact again because he was always The Rock's uh, whipping boy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know what time it is? I do not. It's time for Impact Wrestling Talk. Oh, my favorite segment. Yes. James Storm is leaving again. And that's been Impact Wrestling Talk. <laughs> okay, next. Uh, we got some quick hits. We'll run through these quickly. Um, hence the name. Tim Storm, a 53-year-old school teacher who also doubles as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, uh, he retained his NWA title over Nick Aldis in uh, Southern California for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I actually watched it on uh, Facebook. They streamed it live. So I was like, oh, okay, I saw some of the 10 Pounds of Gold videos. Man, I want them to succeed. I want them to do great, but, God, they got to do better than Tim Storm. He just he gassed out. And they they were trying to do some kind of like reversal of the figure four or something like that, and he really just kind of gassed out and fell on top of Aldis in like ten minutes and pinned him. It was weak. Did you did you not see any of that? Yeah, I honestly I didn't get a chance to watch it. I I knew they were you know doing the matchup. I thought honestly I thought it was next week, so I completely missed it. Yeah, don't worry about watching it. Uh, Keith Lee and uh, Tomohiro Ishii, they had an awesome match for Ref Pro. So if uh, XWT, if you're an XWT guy, go on there. It is your friend to watch it. It was an amazing match. Great job by those guys. Uh, Bellator announced an eight-man heavyweight Grand Prix uh, featuring... Joey, take the tallies of these ages, okay. Fedor, 41. Rampage Jackson, 39. Matt Mitrione, 39. Chael Sonnen, 40. Frank Mir... 38. I thought Frank Mir was fucking older than 38. He's been around forever, man. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Did I, did I ever tell you this, the time I met him, the story? Yeah, well, you. I know you met him when you were based at, uh, is it in Nel Vegas? Nellis. Yeah, Nellis. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I found his gym was like 10 minutes from my house there. And he was getting ready to fight Brock Lesnar back in uh, 08. So this must have been like uh, the late 2007. And so I called up his gym, and his striking coach answered, and I was like, "Hey, is uh, Frank there?" <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, uh, no, he's going to be coming in to train later." I was like, "Oh, I'm a fan. I just wanted to come by and say hi." And he goes, "Yeah, come on by." 
And sure <laughs> enough, I went and I, I met him and I met his whole family. And they let me and my uh, ex-wife, they let me. They let us watch him train and get ready for the Brock Lesnar match. I stayed there for like an hour just watching him do jiu-jitsu drills. It was pretty cool. Uh, he was a super nice guy. So there you go. <laughs> that, and that's been my Frank Mir story. Okay. <laughs> also, they have a King Mo, who's 36. Uh, Roy Nelson, 41, and Ryan Bader, who's 34. Um, and surprise, surprise, the reason, the person I'm going to be uh, picking in this one is going to be Ryan Bader, and for one glaring reason. He's 34, and he doesn't completely suck right now. Yeah. Yeah, not, um, Bader, he probably will have the better gas tank. He's a good wrestler. It makes a lot of sense for him to go ahead and you know beat up on some of these old geriatric guys. Yeah. Uh, Lucha Underground is returning for season four, so there's that. Uh, 20 years ago last week, we totally missed this man. And it was one of the most pivotal times of my, uh, you know, being a professional wrestling fan was the Montreal screw job. And I know that you were probably pretty young when this happened, but I was watching on pay-per-view and I was shocked. And this is where I really started to get into the, uh, inside, uh, news of wrestling. There was a, um, there was a guy on the cable radio network called the shadow man. And he was, a uh, this, uh, black guy, real funny. And he hosted the show on, uh, so when we had cable back in the day, when you would change the channels, there was always one channel that was nothing but advertisements. Like you could yeah. actually pay to put like, you know, your business's phone number on there. And then in the background, they had the, they had talk radio. And so he had a show every Friday night. So after the football games, I would go home and then that would, that's what would be on. And I would actually call in. So I used to call in, I called in, I talked to Shane Douglas, I talked to Yokozuna, I talked to all kinds of people on there. Well, um, he was like reporting everything that was going on in this Montreal screw job and it changed my life forever. And, uh, turns out he was just reading the observer, uh, <laughs> basically doing what we do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that, that was, uh, one of the craziest moments of me being a professional wrestling fan. Uh, the Hitman heart wrestling with shadows documentary is one of my favorite things ever done in wrestling. Have you seen that? Yeah, you know what? I actually just watched that a couple months ago for the first time. It is on XWT for everybody out there. Highly recommend yeah. it because it gives you great insight on. I mean, they've got uh, hidden cameras, you know, during conversations between Brett and Vince, um, you know, and some you know hidden microphones where you really get to hear a lot of stuff that nowadays, like, we'll never get to hear those same kind of interactions again. Um, I I don't know how we missed this, but man, it's it really is what changed the face of wrestling in that time. It, it created the Vince McMahon evil boss character. Yeah, it, it was uh, one of the greatest. Well, one of the craziest things and one of the biggest stories ever. Um, and I read an article. There's a conspiracy theory. You know me; I love my conspiracies. Yeah. But there's been a conspiracy theory since it happened that said that this whole thing was a plot between Bret Hart and Vince McMahon. To have Brett make a bunch of money in WCW to get Sean the title, to create a controversy, and to create the Vince McMahon character. I love that that's a conspiracy, but it's not true. <laughs> it yeah. was not. It was not. Trust me. If anybody that's ever talked to Bret Hart, and I've list every time he does an interview, I always listen, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever, and completely 100%, it was not planned out. He got screwed, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, this, I believe, they went to court over this. I mean, there were lawsuits over this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there was all kinds of stuff going back and forth. So, uh, yeah, definitely definitely not a work. Uh, this Week in History, uh, Nick Bockwinkle passed away on November 14th, 2015. Uh, I got a chance to meet Nick in Las Vegas. He was a super nice guy. I met him at an NWA show there at the Plaza Hotel and Casino. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Brock Lesnar, he defeated Randy Couture for the UFC heavyweight title on uh, November 15th, 2008. Guess who was in the audience that night? Uh, you were, sir. I remember I you uh, give, giving me live updates yeah, throughout I, the night. I got free tickets. I was there, uh, me and my a buddy of mine from work. So when, you, when you're when you in the military and you're stationed in Las Vegas, uh, you get free tickets to everything. And I, I had multiple times I went to the UFC for absolutely free. So, uh, yep, I happened to be there that night. That was a great night. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage was born on November 15th, 1952. What's your favorite Macho Man Randy Savage match? Go. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I'm so young that I, I couldn't really point to an exact match, um, but I'll give you my favorite Macho Man Randy Savage moment, and it's something I've seen replayed over and over again, as uh, when he finally dropped down and uh, held the ropes open for Miss Elizabeth for her to walk through the ropes. You big um, after softy. Her, yeah, I'm a big softy. Like, um, after her holding the ropes for him for so many years when he finally dropped down and did it for her, that's got to be one of the best wrestling moments out there. Yeah, whenever they they finally got back together and he ditched uh, Scary Sherry after that Ultimate Warrior match at WrestleMania 7, that was great. My favorite Randy Savage match was uh, WrestleMania 8 with Ric Flair. Uh, it's one of my favorite matches of all time. So, uh, Rest in peace, Macho Man. And uh, now, hey, Paul Harvey, what do you got next for us? Now, the rest of the story. Oh, thank you, Paul. And now the rest of the story. so nice of him. Yeah, Paul's a great guy, man, isn't he? Really is. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, legendary Paul Harvey. Uh, did you did you hear about this? There's a white guy named <laughs> Adam, right? I think he's in, like, bumfuck Florida or something. Yeah. Seems like a Florida thing to do. You know what? Rick should have had this on the Garbage Time show because he always does meanwhile in Florida, and it's usually something ridiculous. He didn't bring yeah. this up, so I'm bringing it up. There's a white guy. Named Adam, right? He changed his name to Jod Du. And he claims to identify as a Filipino now. <laughs> He's transracial. Transracial. Oh, man. Wasn't there the uh, the NAACP uh, worker a couple of years ago who was transracial? She was white and identified as African-American. Yeah, but at least she kind of looked African American, like she got well, tanned. Because she and, like she tanned a bunch, right? Well, and she—you could say that she kind of looked mixed a little bit, but it turns out she's just—you know—she just dyed her hair and got contacts yeah. and kind of tanned, and and uh, but her parents are completely white. This guy yeah. l- looks nothing like a fucking <laughs> Filipino, and he just—and he said his reason is because well, he really likes Filipino food, and really yeah. likes the Filipino culture, and I get that. I had six pieces of lumpia today, right? I love it. Yeah. And I happen, so I, I grew up a lot around um, a lot of Mexican people. I love Mexican food. I eat Mexican at least once or twice a week. And I love the Mexican culture. But I'm not a fucking Mexican, and I'm not going to pretend to be one because I'm an asshole. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I kind of see where the guy's coming from, though, because, like, me personally, I, am, I consider myself trans-financial, where I'm broke as fuck, but like I feel like I should be rich, so I get where he's coming from. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. So I'm 34, but I kind of feel like I'm 27. So there now, now I'm just gonna get my ID changed, and I'm gonna be 27 now. There you go. I mean, that's that's America. Like you, it's freedom, man. Yeah. Is this where all the snowflakes like kind of turn off? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, snowflakes, calm the fuck down. I vote with you guys, right? Relax. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I hope ISIS takes this guy out. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, who gives a shit, Joe? What's your who gives a shit? 
my who gives a shit is they uh, they have announced for Abu Dhabi. It'll probably be the main event, uh, Roman Reigns versus Triple H. And I'm sure it, it's probably the biggest draw out there. But by God, we've seen this match at uh, WrestleMania a couple years ago, and it was a complete shit fest. Um, I, I don't know what star rating it got, but it should have gotten negative stars. And I, I don't know why they're going to give this to Abu Dhabi fans. And I want to apologize in advance for everybody who has to sit through that. Yeah. Uh, that's going to suck. Oh, well. And my who gives a shit, just because I completely forgot about it, was the uh, Raw Women's versus Raw um, <laughs> or Raw Women's versus SmackDown Women's uh, tag team match. Honestly, don't even know. Like, I think Alicia Fox is in it. but She is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, who gives a shit? You know, it it could be a fun match, man. I, I'm telling you, I, I've really been digging women's wrestling over the last year or so. Um, I think this one could surprise You know, I'm fine with you keeping your expectations low because I think this one will exceed your expectations and you'll be saying how it was it was okay next week. Okay, uh, what's your over-under? Okay, five botched moves um, in that match. Over. Over. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, see, I can't watch that. I'm sorry. It's just, it's terrible. What are you going to do? I, it's going to be I'm, a shit I'm show. telling you, I think it'll exceed your expectations, but it won't be hard to do because you have such low expectations right. for it. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to sound sexist. I'm saying that they just, you know, it's going to be sloppy. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, hey, that's going to do it for this week. Um, everybody, uh, check out Garbage Time. I've been uh, mentioning them a lot today because I'm pissed off at them. Because uh, <laughs> they did not give me any credit about the Oscar De La Hoya thing. They totally glossed over or they didn't even mention it. Um, so now they're on, they're on the, they're on the Gilbert list. <laughs> they're like, hey, who gives a shit? That's going to be yeah. there. Who gives a shit? Uh, Mike's who, who gives a shit is going to be, yeah, I made the Gilbert list. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> but give them a listen and, uh, and, uh, follow them on Twitter at, uh, GTP Mike and Rick and at GTP podcast. And, uh, we're at, we're at the pod express and Joe, you are at Joe Gilbert one nine nine two. And I'm at GetUpMike, and uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. You can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on SoundCloud and subscribe on iTunes. And then check us out on the gtppodcast.com. I'm sure I'll have like a kind of a blog up there. Joe, you're going to watch NXT TakeOver like start to finish, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. What? So I think on Sunday, if you get some time, maybe like on that website, just kind of give a rundown and just say what you thought. Yeah, we'll do. All right, I'll send you the info on that, and then I'll try to do it for Survivor Series. So I try to keep up that content on that on that website. So, uh, yeah. gtppodcast.com, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you again next week. All right, everybody, bye.